COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Our goal is to protect the lives and livelihoods of Australians. We have breaking news on a corona scare. The panic buying, self-isolating on a statewide level. Stop it. It's Thursday, the 16th of April. Welcome to Coronavirus Watch. I'm Kate Ryan, filling in for Natalie Bonjolo, and with me as, as usual is Ben O'Shea. And, and Ben, we had another promising day of numbers in WA. Not so much around the world, though. Yeah, well, the important thing when it comes to a pandemic like this is you want to keep stacking those good results on top of each other. One on its own doesn't mean that much, but when you start getting a few in a row, that's when you have some hope. And that's certainly what we're seeing in Western Australia. We just had three new cases again. That's on the back of another couple of days of really, really low numbers of new cases. Uh, Two from WA plus one from the Artania, all Perth-based, all adults, uh, which brings the total uh, confirmed cases in WA up to 535, of which 214 were directly linked to cruise ships. That's 40% of our total number of cases. Uh, in hospital at the moment, there are 33 people, and the great news is only eight are still in the ICU, and that, that's really good news there. Uh, and what we've seen now is 340 people have recovered. So 64% of the people who've had COVID-19 in Western Australia are now better uh, and going about their lives, which is, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Nationally, um, we've seen less than 50 cases a day over the last few days. Yeah, the last five days, less than 50 new cases a day, which is phenomenal. Uh, Only 22 new cases uh, in Australia today. uh, And uh, the death toll has not changed, which is fantastic as well. It's on 63. Uh, 42 people are still on ventilators um, in in ICU. So that's that's not so great. But hopefully uh, those people start to get better because overall we've seen really, really great results in Australia. And unfortunately, worldwide, um, we're not seeing the same sort of uh, positive results. Um, We've seen worldwide crack over the two million mark. Yeah, that's right. From country to country, it varies so much. Some are having a great result and flattening the curve. Uh, Australia is one of the shining examples of that. Other countries are really struggling. We've, we've currently got 2,069,819 confirmed cases in this pandemic, 137,193 deaths. And as it stands at the moment, uh, Russia has the fastest growing infection rate. They added uh, 3,448 new cases in the last 24 hours alone, uh, 34 deaths in the last 24 hours and that brings their total number of cases up to uh, over 27,000 now and Vladimir Putin is talking about you know bringing in the military to try and uh, get this under control in Russia they've got massive problems. Wow that's that's really incredible. Um, before we head to local news, we actually have some breaking news that, that has literally just landed, pardon the pun, on our desk, and that involves Virgin Australia, um, one of Australians, Australia's airlines, and they've responded to a request from the Australian government to resume flying. Um, it's an underwritten minimal domestic schedule, and that's to transport passengers um, and also keep freight, important freight going across the country. So um, I guess this this is really great to see that there's going to be, um, you know, freight. People are still going to be able to get, I don't know, the, the online shopping that they've <laughs> <laughs> they've they've made while they're in isolation um, and including people stuck 
Yeah, over east. Absolutely. There's a couple of positive things about this. Firstly, for Virgin themselves, like there's a lot of been a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks yeah. about whether or not they would survive this crisis, and so they will need this underwritten service to put some money back in the coffers. But in terms of the carting of people across the country, this is where it's significant to Western Australia because you've got a bunch of West Aussies stuck on the east coast that haven't been able to get home because there haven't been any flights. Now there's an opportunity for them to come home, uh, and there's also 600 odd east coast people, people from Adelaide. Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, wherever, who have been wanting to get home but simply unable to and they've been in quarantine in hotels like the Duxton in Perth. Now here's a chance for the West Australian government, which I know they're very <laughs> keen to uh, send these people on home. Now they'll be able to do that because these flights will become available. So I think this is, this is a really, really good news story. It is, definitely. Um, and also another good news story is that... Um, with WA trying to get on top of this virus, I mean, it seems like they're, they're really on their way anyway, um, but testing has been expanded. Um, we've heard earlier that the testing criteria was expanded to, to people who had a fever and um, some sort of respiratory condition like a cough or a sore throat, yeah, even a sore throat. Um, so obviously this testing expansion, uh, more people across WA are going to be able to get tested. Yeah, we heard a bit about this today when uh, Premier Mark McGowan and the Health Minister Roger Cook addressed the media for their for their daily briefing. And this is, this is an important step because we've seen really positive results in terms of the number of new cases in Western Australia. But before they can have confidence to reopen schools and reopen uh, businesses and cafes and bars and all this kind of stuff, send people back to work. They need to be certain that we don't have uh, cases that have been undetected out in the community. So expanding the testing is a really important strategy in figuring out where exactly WA is in terms of this pandemic. So what you're going to see is they'll be testing now closer to where people live. Uh, there'll be a number of uh, sites, 12 diagnostic sites around the metro area from from uh, Perth and Peel, north and south, east and west, every direction, a bunch of places where you can go using private pathology centres uh, and all you'll need is a GP's referral if you have any kind of symptoms, fever, history of fever, respiratory illness, even if it's a cough, you can now access this free testing with a GP referral and uh, they pointed out very clearly that you don't have to go to a GP if you're worried about that, you can do, a, uh, you can do an appointment over the phone, get your referral, turn up at one of these clinics and get tested and it'll give us a much better picture of where WA is at and that's going to be so critical for these next couple of weeks to determine the course of action uh, by the state government. And obviously uh, they've they've increased the, the testing uh, areas within the Perth and Peel region because that seems to be where uh, most of the cases are but for anyone in the regional areas they can still be tested at public hospitals um, and that same testing, testing criteria applies if you've got, um, you know, a, a sore throat, a cough, a fever of over 38 degrees. So uh, in the regions, they're, they're still really getting on top of it. Uh, but while we're still at home with a not, not, not a lot to do, it does seem like a worrying trend is emerging um, that people seem to be drinking more, so much so that the WA government has stepped in. Yeah, well, they they stepped in a couple of weeks ago and introduced uh, purchase limits, <laughs> yeah. which I think, unfortunately, are great intentions. And I think it was the right thing to do based on the panic buying that we saw from toilet paper and flour and a whole bunch of other stuff. But the uh, I think the uh, purchase limits might have had an unintended effect. And so now when people are going to the bottle shop, whereas previously they might have bought one bottle of wine to last them a week, now they, they know that they can only buy a maximum of three yeah. bottles of wine. It kind of freaks people out and they think, well, maybe a worse 
lockdown is on the horizon. I better get all three bottles and use up my allotment. I'd be stupid if I don't. Yeah. Uh, and so now I think what we're seeing is uh, the national data is, is showing that uh, one in five households are actually buying more booze than they were before the pandemic. And uh, we're seeing now uh, 20% of people stocking up on this alcohol. 70% of people are saying that they're drinking more than, than usual. More than a third are drinking daily, which we know uh, one glass of wine is probably okay. Yeah. But if you're having any more than that, then that can be problematic, I think, in terms of your alcohol consumption. Uh, and the reasons why people are drinking are interesting as well. Uh, this, the study has found that uh, 28% of people reported that they're drinking to cope with anxiety and stress. And wow. and of course, you know, we know it's not just the stress of a pandemic, which is which is pretty stressful. It's pretty yeah. scary. But you've also got people who are maybe worried about their jobs. Maybe they're out of work at the moment. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of stresses involved with that as well. Uh, and then there's just dealing with, uh, you know, living with your family <laughs> members. That can also be a bit of a stress for some people. Uh, and so, and 20% of people said that they were worried about how much uh, either they were drinking or how much someone in their household was drinking. So that's a worry as well. Yeah, uh, and so this $330,000 advertising campaign is going to be uh, it's going to be about making you maybe rethink some of those choices when it comes to your alcohol consumption. It's going to be called Alcohol Think Again. Uh, and look, I, like I'm guilty of it. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I can de- <laughs> definitely say that uh, that I've been imbibing a little bit more than usual. Uh, and so people, and I and I have a full time job, so I really don't have an excuse. But for people who maybe are not working as much as they used to, there is a lot of free time working from home. You don't have to worry about uh, how you look the next morning <laughs> yeah. in the office. So there's, that's not uh, you know sort of a deterrent to stop you from having that extra glass of red wine on the couch. So, but it, it's interesting to see. It's one of those uh, impacts of this this virus that is not an obvious obvious thing, but it's one of these unintended, uh, unexpected consequences that have to be addressed because there are some very serious consequences if this problem runs away with itself. Exactly. And also some companies or some bottle shops have actually been slammed for for marketing mm. isolation kits, 14-day yep. quarantine, alcohol deals. Um, they've actually been slammed as tasteless and immoral advertising. So obviously the bottle shops um, are trying to just get on top of this and, and say, yeah, 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 buy some. <laughs> well, it is. It's 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 one of these things. It's so tricky at the moment because I've seen some of these deals, and it's and sometimes it's uh, you know independent whether it's an independent bottle shop or a winery or a restaurant or whoever it is. Like they're just trying to stay in business in a very difficult economic climate, so they're trying to come up with fun ways to continue to sell their products. But it is having this unintended consequence where it's probably encouraging people to drink more than they usually would, and it's not about what they do on a Friday night. That's not so much of a problem yeah. because people may be used to go to restaurants and bars or whatever, but it's, you know, the fact that they're drinking way more than they should on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or a Monday night, and and then it's every day of the week they're having a little bit more than they should, and very quickly it becomes a problem that needs to be addressed. Yeah, something that was, uh, you know, they might be intended as a lighthearted advertising campaign, you can kind of see the darker side of it. Um And as some of the reasons we've just talked about for people drinking more, the anxieties, the worries about money, worries about jobs, unfortunately, Mark McGowan today didn't really help with that anxiety. The economic situation will be the worst we will confront uh, since 1930. So what's that, 90 years? Um, It will be a pretty serious economic position that the country and the world confronts. But we have to deal with the health crisis. We can't have what is happening in New York uh, or in London or other places around the world happen here. Yeah, so, I mean, Mark McGowan was asked uh, during that press conference, uh, he's compared Spain and New York to little old Perth 
Um, so that that was that was interesting to to get that perspective. But obviously, we do know that the economic crisis has hit everyone. And fortunately for Perth, that the health crisis hasn't really quite hit here. But unfortunately, more than six thousand part-time jobs have been lost through this. Yeah, it's uh, they were staggering numbers today. But I think that the thing that's really terrifying about this, the statistics that Mark McGowan had today, well, that's probably the best numbers that we're going to see for the next few weeks because those uh, those job losses represent just the first couple of weeks of March before the really tough measures were taken. So I think you find the job losses after that period for the, uh, have just skyrocketed. Uh, and so, so there's no no wonder that Mark McGowan is talking about it and is is warning people that there are tough times ahead. ScoMo, uh, the Prime Minister, was uh, was speaking in very similar terms today to the point where he actually said that, uh, you know, you can forget about the election promises <laughs> that we made before the last federal election. They're out the, out the window now. And in any other situation, uh, you know, you'd really take a government to task if they were just uh, wholesale throwing out election promises. But you have to cut them some slack because where is the money going to come from? You know, you're talking about, uh, in the case of WA, there's like a $1.7 billion uh, um, uh, funding package to try and help uh, the economy through and to try and help people through. The federal government has spent uh, $130 billion or something like that So at the, at the minimum. So there is money going out the door to try and uh, prop people up in this very difficult time uh, and there is going to be long-lasting uh, economic impacts. Uh, and I think McGowan today just wanted people to realise that, to just be aware that uh, even though we've avoided the, the the really terrible health impacts that we've seen in other countries, you know, we, we will be facing some pretty tough economic times. Yeah, and he was asked, you know, why can't we just start acting like an island within an island? We are doing so well. Um, where Our borders are closed, uh, you know, to interstate, intrastate as well as overseas. So why can't we start opening up a few more businesses and he just said we're, we're going to continue the state of emergency for another two weeks and obviously they don't want to see any more deaths or any more cases and opening up the businesses too early could see that so I guess maybe he was he was just um, getting on the back foot there and saying you know two weeks ago you were asking us to go in complete lockdown and now you're you're asking us um to open everything back up so it's it's a bit of a, a two-way street um it's a juggling act oh definitely and you can see it in their faces they must just be so exhausted yeah and um, they and they and they know that everybody wants th- th- wants to open up the businesses again because they see these low numbers on yeah. a daily basis and they think, well, we've got nothing to worry about. But if you're in power, you know that it's not that easy. Like you, you, These decisions are life and death consequences and we've seen so many times in other countries that they think they're on top of it, they relax the restrictions and all of a sudden there's a spike in cases and it spreads so quickly. COVID-19 spreads so quickly through the community uh, in those community transmission situations that it's very hard to put that genie back in the bottle once it gets out. Oh, definitely. Definitely. We've seen so many cases recently. I mean, we've got the anecdotes of 30 people being infected after going to a wedding, the uh, the people in Tasmania, yep. the healthcare workers, and it's just spread. Um, 5,000 people in quarantine now because of that. So uh, I guess we, we just really have to have to brace. But one thing that... Um, that Mark McGowan doesn't want to keep closed is closed is WA schools. Um, obviously, we he doesn't want to take any unnecessary chances, but he's saying 
even as a father of three himself, he knows that face-to-face learning is the best way and he doesn't want any children to go without a year of school, especially, like he said so many times, the year 12 students um, losing their final year of school could be really detrimental to them. So we've got term two starting in 12 days time. They're really trying to figure out how they can go back to school um, without some sort of health crisis. Yeah, I think, I think everybody wants, oh, everybody with kids wants the answer to this one question. Are the schools going to reopen in 12 days time at the end of the Easter holidays? And you go back a couple of weeks, uh, as Scott Morrison wanted the schools to stay open. The state premiers decided to, if not necessarily close the schools, recommend parents take their kids out of school. And we saw that. Schools were basically empty other than people who who really, really couldn't do anything else with their kids other than send them to school. Uh, What's going to happen after the Easter holidays? Uh, Well, it's going to be decided tomorrow. They're having a special special, uh, disaster council meeting at the state government level. They're going to talk about some ideas, things that came out of national cabinet uh, today when all the state premiers were talking uh, and Mark McGowan didn't didn't want to preempt what that decision was. Uh, it was interesting today. He said that uh, when school restarts for term two, it will initially look very different. So I'm not sure if he's he's hinting that maybe we could see the first couple of weeks of school be uh, remote learning and then maybe look at opening uh, opening the schools up again. It would certainly give the government a chance to uh, just really confirm these, these good results that we've seen the last few days, confirm that we are really on top of this pandemic. But, you know, I, I think we won't know for sure until tomorrow morning when they come out of that meeting and uh, and Mark McGowan and Sue Ellery, the, the Education Minister, have a, have a clear plan of where to go forward. Exactly. ScoMo talked about it today as well. Um, And he was basically saying, look, it is a state issue, but the federal government is working with with the states. And it's not necessarily to protect the children from, from the health advice they have. The virus behaves very differently in children than in adults. So this isn't to protect the children, it's to protect the teachers. Yeah, Scobo's comments were were interesting today. I think uh, I, there was a s- slight change in his in his rhetoric a little bit. Like I think he was willing to let the states make make a call. He always has. He hasn't had much of a choice because it is a state decision. But he he seemed like a little bit more open to the states making their individual calls based on whatever would suit them. Uh, he again though is talking about his his personal belief that uh, the school should open. It's the best place for kids. I think everybody agrees with that. Uh, the seven principles that they talked about today and and all state premiers agreed on uh, were things like uh, that education is very important, very very general kind of things, and that, that if it needs to be remote learning, then a lot of resources and effort needs to be put into that, uh, that kind of stuff. Just like basically a, a guideline of, of shared values, I think, is probably the best way to put it. The most the thing that got me today about uh, what ScoMo said was uh, he, he thought that, uh, you know, the teachers were more likely to get the virus in the uh, staff room than the classroom. I'm not sure that's entirely based on scientific evidence <laughs> uh, but I think when it comes to when it comes to the decision of, of keeping schools open or not I think the scientific evidence points to if you're not seeing you know a really obvious evidence of community transmission then it's it's okay to keep the schools open because we know kids um, uh, are not uh, really uh, as uh, at risk 
of of suffering really serious consequences, fatal consequences from COVID-19. Um, but I think, as we've seen in other countries, if there is demonstrated community transmission, I think it's really hard to keep the schools open in that yeah. situation because you're, you are... The reality is you are putting teachers in the firing line. I know teachers certainly think that, regardless of what the Prime yeah. Minister says, I know teachers think that they, they are being put into the firing line. I think here in WA we're in a different situation because uh, we've really managed to get on top of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and if we see another you know another week of really low numbers, I think that will give uh, the Education Minister and, and Mark McGowan a lot of confidence that we can... Uh, reopen the schools and I know there are parents out there who are just <laughs> clicking their heels in excitement at that prospect. Yeah I bet there's some parents out there who just are praising teachers now who go I don't know how yeah, you do it. Exactly. Homeschooling is just not for me. That's one of the that's one of the other good things to come <laughs> out of this. It, a lot more respect for the work of teachers because it's really hard. If you had to homeschool your kids for a couple of weeks it's not easy. And that's one kid yeah. or two <laughs> yeah, potentially. Right. Yeah imagine doing 30. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> Um, so we're, we're yet to see whether schools will reopen, but what we do know for at least the next four weeks that uh, really nothing is going to change. Um, there are no plans to reduce our baseline restrictions for at least the next four weeks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Scott Morrison talked today because like Mark McGowan, he's getting questioned all the time about, you know, we've seen great numbers, a uh, very low number of new cases. When can we reduce these, relax these restrictions? He's getting it every day, multiple times a day. And today, uh, for the first time, Scott Morrison outlined a sort of a three-step process, what we need to do to get to a point where we can reopen the economy. And uh, the first was extending the testing. We need to know exactly who has this uh, who has this virus and who doesn't. So we're going to see expanded testing across the whole country in bulk. We just want to test as many people as possible and see the full scope of this pandemic in Australia. And, and then we need to have uh, demonstrated greater, greater contact tracing capability. And and I think uh, the, the words that uh, Scott Morrison used today was uh, industrial uh, scale capability. So what he was basically saying is he's trying to push people towards the government app that the the app on your smartphone that you can use that can you know track your symptoms and track where you are and all that kind of stuff and he wants to see everybody download that uh, and so we can really keep an eye on who's moving where and where the virus is going once we have that then we'll have a lot more confidence in being able to open up parts of the economy and know that we're not going to get uh, a real rapid outbreak and then when it comes to outbreaks that was the final plank in this three-step yeah. process that was uh, how we uh, improve our local response response capability. So if there is an isolated outbreak like we saw in Tasmania, uh, the Australian Defence Force went to Tassie and locked down those 5,000 people that you mentioned. And uh, they have extremely strict uh, lockdown procedures in Tasmania right now, the strictest in the country. But hopefully that isolates that outbreak, stops it from spreading. Once we have confidence that we have those capabilities, so if there's an outbreak in Geraldton, we can lock it down. If there's an outbreak in Darwin, we can lock it down. Once we have that figured out, then it's it's much more viable to restart businesses because we know if, if anything does go wrong, we can hopefully get on top of it before it turns into you know a, a really, really bad situation where everybody has to go back into lockdown. Yeah, and, um, and that's exactly where uh, Scott Morrison was going today. Um, although the, the government can do as much as, as they can to keep people locked down, but he did have another message to everyone about just, you know, stay, stay in there, keep, keep going, don't get 
too bored and, and go out and just try and live your life as per usual because it is going to be for the long haul. Um, but he did have a message kind of as in- encouragement but also pleading with people. The more we do the right thing now, the easier it will be in the long term for everybody. We still have a difficult road ahead of us at this point, despite the successes that Australians have achieved uh, in the weeks that we've just gone through. Uh, The more we keep it under control, um, the more we all enlist in the sorts of things we need to do uh, to help those who are tracing um, the virus and identifying it and uh, reacting to it if there are outbreaks. Well, uh, the more we might be able to at some point return uh, to uh, easing of those restrictions. And uh, we've stayed ahead of it. We've got to keep ahead of it. Um, we can't allow our patience to wear off. I know it's a very anxious thing for Australians, but let's look to the experience of what's happened overseas. If you ease off too quickly, too early, then you end up making the situation, situation even worse. And I don't just mean in the health terms. If you move too early, and the health response gets out of control, then the economic consequences will be even worse. So a real plea for Australians there, you know, we're doing so well, keep going, keep yeah, doing don't, it. Don't stuff it up now, I think. That's, yeah. the, that's the subtext of what he was saying there. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, it's, I think it's an important message. We've, we've really done all of the hard yards. Uh, we've experienced the pain. It hasn't been easy. A lot of people have suffered, but don't undo that. Like, don't make all of that suffering and all that inconvenience in vain by doing the wrong thing now and taking us back five steps in this process. Yeah. And I suppose um, Australians really do have it better than what some of some of the other countries do. I mean, New Zealand has been at level four lockdowns. So that has been people not allowed to leave their house really for anything. I remember listening to uh, Prime Minister Ardern saying when the lockdown, level four lockdown started, she said, "When where you're staying tonight is where you will stay for the next month. Um, and I suppose they are now looking at... Uh, easing those restrictions. Yeah, it's been it's been really tough for Kiwis. Their their uh, businesses have taken a massive hit. Uh, Burger King in New Zealand has <laughs> gone out of business, which is unbelievable, but yeah, they they've gone bust. Uh, and it was always going to be very difficult. They took very tough action right from the start when other countries probably eased their way into it. Like they had the goal of eradicating the virus in New Zealand, which is, you know, there's been no country that's been able to do that. Uh, they've got geographic isolation on their side and a little even more so than Australia. But now uh, the success that they've had has meant that they're going to wind that back a little bit. They're going from level four lockdown to a level three lockdown provisions, which means that uh, schools will reopen. There might be restaurants and some other Industries will start uh, reopening again if they can prove that they can operate safely. Uh, and I think, you know, if if they have success with that, uh, New Zealand could be, uh, you know, back to business as usual. So it's a, it's a very interesting case there. It wouldn't work for the vast majority of cases uh, and the, the vast majority of countries. Like, it's just not possible to do what New Zealand did. Uh, they're just the right size uh, and just the right sort of geographic uh, remoteness to be able to pull it off. Uh, and I don't think Scott Morrison ever intended to do that. He said today that eradication wasn't ever something that Australia uh, was aiming for or thought was possible. Um, and 
and nor is uh, going for herd immunity something Australia is going for. We're kind of going for something in the middle. We're doing our own unique thing, uh, like a very careful management of the caseload so our health system isn't overwhelmed and hopefully we get to a point in a few weeks' time where uh, the economy restarts it probably, you know, bit by bit in a very measured way uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we sort of start to turn the corner. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how world leaders have chosen to go. It's it's kind of like um, a real-time trial and error that we're yep. seeing. Um, I mean, we've got Sweden, for example, we've got New Zealand, and they're virtually on opposite ends of the scale. Um, America. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, ScoMo, I think ScoMo put it best today where he said that no country has the magical formula that can uh, can fix this problem. Uh, everybody's doing their best. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, decisions in hindsight don't look great uh, and uh, not taking action quick enough seems to be the thing that really is not uh, stacking up well when you look back at things. Uh, and uh, that's obviously a talking point in America <laughs> yeah. at the moment, how quickly Donald Trump acted or didn't act. If you ask him, he'll tell you one thing. Uh, uh, the truth is probably something else. But, yeah, it's it's... Uh, I think for everybody it's a bit of a work in progress and all you can really hope is that uh, the cost of decisions when you get them wrong isn't one that you're counting in lost lives. Yeah, and um, coming a little bit closer to home, we were talking about WA's economy earlier, but um, I suppose uh, a second home for most West Australians, um, Bali, is really not doing going to do well economically. Um, so, so much so the Indonesia Institute, they've set up a GoFundMe page to help Bali because they're saying they've estimated that 95% of international tourist arrivals has dried up. And as we know, Bali basically relies on on tourism. So yeah. um, they're, they're saying that most Balinese people earn the equivalent of $300 a month and they won't have access to welfare. So you really do have to feel for the Balinese and, and Indonesia in uh, in general um, during this time because it is such a destination place, a holiday place. Um, Especially for Western Australians. Yeah. It's, it's basically Perth's most northern suburb. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, they started struggling as soon as the Chinese tourism dried up because that's so lucrative for Bali. But then after that, it's Australian tourism, a lot of it from Western Australia. And the fact that Australians now can't exit uh, Australia means that uh, Perth people are not going to Bali. It's a huge amount of money for the Balinese to take out of their economy uh, and it's it's built around tourism. There's nothing nothing really else there. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's interesting that the Instant Indonesia Institute of Western Australia has started this crowdfunding page. Uh, if you go to the Indonesia Institute's website, you'll be able to f- track it down. And if you're somebody who loves Bali, goes to Bali all the time, you know, sp- if you can spare a couple of bucks, do it because, you know, you'll certainly help a lot of people in need up there and uh, uh, no doubt, you know, if you've gone there and, and had a few bintangs <laughs> and made a nuisance of yourself, you could you could probably repay the favour. Yeah, and you're probably helping yourself out in the long run. I mean, it, it means that you, you can go to Bali in the future or, or can go to the Bali that you're used to in the future. Yeah, totally. And here's another one for you. So I don't know, have you ever been, have you been to Bali? Yes. Yeah. So have you been to Potato Head? Yeah. So that's that's one of the big clubs for people who don't know, but one of the big beach clubs, everybody loves it, that goes to Bali. Well, Potato Head have got in touch with me because they've started to do uh, like these uh, online DJ sets and stuff like that. So if, yeah. you, if you go to Bali and you go to Potato Head and you love everything about it, you know, go to the Potato Head website and you'll be able to like get a taste of it in your own in your own home here in Western Australia. So that might ease the pain of not being able to go to Bali for the foreseeable future. Yeah, get those um, cocktail making kits out, just stick your yeah, bathers exactly. on and pretend you're just in drink, Bali. Just drink in moderation. <laughs> Though. Yeah, stick your heater on just a little bit, get that humidity up and you can just imagine. You'll be fine, exactly. 
Well, um, talking about people living in denial, um, Sam Newman isn't happy about something. Yeah, uh, look, Sam Newman. It's it's not. Uh, I I think it's it'd be a pretty rare time where I'd listen to the things that come out of Sam Newman's mouth and think there's the voice of reason. Uh, but he's uh, he's visited Parliament House in Victoria and demanded Premier Dan Andrews. Uh, reverse the rule that he can't play golf. Sam Newman wants to play golf. He wants to hit the links, but it's been banned in Victoria. And in WA, uh, the director from Golfing WA was really that clubs should close and the vast majority of clubs are, are closed as far as I'm aware. Uh, and it's, you know, like it's it's considered not an essential activity, but Sam Newman would say that it's essential to him and he's still gonna, he still wants to do it. And so he wants the Victorian parliament to reverse that decision so people are still allowed to play golf, even if it's only uh, two people at a time or one person at a time. Uh, he said, you know, why in God's name can't Victorians play golf? And he's posted several videos. I don't, I don't know if they're videos. I think they're probably more rants. I think that's probably the most accurate word to describe them uh, on Instagram. Let's take a listen. Now you might think this is a publicity stunt and you couldn't be more accurate. This is a publicity stunt because this is absolute nonsense. See this? You cannot be serious. That's the name of our podcast. And um, you give me a legitimate reason why... Golfers can't socially distance, not touch one another, walk around a golf course, obey the strict rules. It is nonsense. There's everyone out on the street jogging, spitting, vomiting, pissing on everyone. It's extraordinary. I saw people kicking a football on Olympic Park yesterday. It's it's nonsense. Wow, he is a, a keen golfer and clearly doesn't want that to end. Well, I haven't seen anybody vomiting on anybody <laughs> no. in the streets. I don't know where he got that from. I don't know who he's hanging out with. But it's, it's an interesting point that he makes, though, because uh, I haven't played golf for a while, but I have played golf a bit in my life. Mm-hmm. And there is no doubt that uh, it is one of those sports where you don't really hang around with a lot of people. If you if the rule was you could only go with one other person and you have to socially distance, or even if you had to play solo, uh, you kind of don't go within a few hundred metres of another golfer or you're likely to get hit in the head with a golf ball. So you yeah. keep your distance anyway. And if you could just find the uh, find some way to uh, d- deal with the, the flag, uh, because everybody kind of hits their ball in the hole and they pick up the flag, if you, you can figure out that particular problem, you could have big contactless. The only thing you touch are your own golf clubs and maybe a stick if your ball goes into the rough. Other than that, you wouldn't really have any contact with anybody. And uh, for a lot of people, that that is their only exercise for the week. There are plenty of, plenty of older people who their one game of golf a week is their, is their exercise. So this time I would say Sam isn't completely uh, off the ball. Um, I, you know, I, I think there are probably other ways to really address it. He's done it in his typically uh, attention-seeking way. But, yeah, maybe at, at some point there will be a discussion to be had about whether some golf courses can be reopened if they can do so in a, in a way that's safe. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree. I just think the, the method of it was a little bit um, odd. Oh, we both agree with Sam Newman, Kate. What is going on here? <laughs> I know. What's happening? <laughs> Um, but from one celebrity, I guess you could call him, having a rant, um, to other celebrities, I mean, I'm talking Hollywood celebrities. Yeah, not like Sam Newman, like no. actual, actual, <laughs> actual, actual celebrities. celebrities. Um, they're doing a little bit different. It's called the All In Challenge and they're offering 
Um, I'm saying prizes, but these are more like life-changing experiences. Yeah, once-in-a-lifetime stuff. So it's if you're on social media at all over the last few weeks, you've seen all these challenges going around, like do 10 push-ups or whatever else. They're all mostly ridiculous. This is the first one that I think will actually be meaningful. Uh, so these celebrities have gotten together, and it's called the All In Challenge. What they do is they have to offer a once-in-a-lifetime experience that people can either uh, place a bid on an online auction or just make a donation and then they go into the draw. There's two different types of prizes. And and then they nominate a couple of other celebrities to do the same thing. And we've seen so far, there's been, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey, you can go to a, a college football game with him and sit in his own private box. Uh, you can have a walk-on role uh, with in a Martin Scorsese film with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. And then I think go out for dinner with them afterwards. Uh, you can you can get an, uh, be signed to an NBA contract and uh, you get to warm up with the team and then shoot a free throw while the whole stadium chants MVP, MVP. Oh so there's a, there's an NFL quarterback who's who's giving away uh, the Corvette he won as the MVP of the league, back, the Super Bowl MVP back in 2011. Uh, wow. Alex Rodriguez, the great New York Yankee baseball player, is giving away his World Series trophy from one of his Yankees world titles. Like this is amazing stuff. Yeah. And, and Kevin Hart was another <laughs> one who had a pretty special offer. Let's have a listen to what his is. I am going to do my part. Here's what I'm bringing to the table. I will provide a movie star experience for said individual. And by movie star experience, I want you to understand what I'm saying here. I'm talking about giving somebody a speaking role in my next movie. You will have a trailer. You will have an assistant. You will have a car service. I'm going to give you the full shebang, baby. I'm creating a next big movie star. <laughs> and the whole point is to raise $100 million for a, for a food relief charity in America for people who've been impacted by coronavirus. Uh, they've raised millions of dollars already. Uh, as an Australian, I don't think there's anything to stop you from placing a bid or uh, donating some money. You obviously have to figure out how you can get to America, but yeah. I'm assuming that all of these prizes will happen uh, after the pandemic has passed. Yeah, so obviously... It's a really important cause and, and, and a lot of these celebrities do think it is an important cause to, to offer up such huge prizes. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, they're doing it instead of offering actual money. Yeah. So <laughs> I, think it, I think it suits everybody. Yeah. But certainly, you know, these are, we're talking, this is serious once-in-a-lifetime stuff. So look up, look up uh, All In Challenge on the internet and you'll see the, the vast array of sports stars, actors, musicians, celebrities who've, who've offering these incredible experiences. And, uh, yeah, check it out. I think I'm going to bid on a few yeah. myself. Yeah, it is a great incentive to donate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today for Coronavirus Watch for this Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the news that's important to you during this crisis. Bye for now. <laughs>